1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. We'll read verses 10 through 23 to the end of the chapter, although we'll really just kind of focus on verses 10 through 17. 18 through 23 uh, just really kind of reiterates some, some, th- some things that we've already talked about in great detail. So we won't uh, go through those verses in great detail today. Uh, you can read through them. I encourage you to go back and uh, if you want to listen to some of the uh, different thoughts on some of these ideas in uh, uh, verses 18 through 23, you can find those sermons online. But we'll just kind of, we'll read all the verses, but we'll really just focus on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 this morning. We'll read through the text, then we'll pray, and we will get started. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost, but he will be saved. Yet it will be like an escape through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's sanctuary, God will destroy him. For God's sanctuary is holy, and that is what you are. No one should deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish, so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord, that the reasonings of the wise are meaningless. So no one should boast in human leaders, for everything is yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, everything is yours. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for this good word. And I pray that you help us to to get something from it, dear Lord, that in these few minutes that you would just take away the the worries of this world from our mind, the things that we're thinking about, worried about, whatever it may be, that in just for a few minutes, God, as we read your word, that you would help us just to hear from you, that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts today, God. You know what we need to hear. You know what we're going through. We're all in different phases of life with different things going on, dear Lord, and you know what we need to hear. So I pray that as we look at your word today, God, that the Holy Spirit would do the speaking to your people. And help us to grow in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Paul is making a little bit of a, a shift from what we talked about 
uh, last week. In the first part of, of chapter 3, uh, in particular the verses we looked at last week, we see this distinction between Paul and Apollos. We see this idea that they are co-workers for the Lord. That is that they are both working for the same goal. They are both working toward the same purpose. It's not that one is saying that they are better than the other. They both may have different gifts, different abilities. They may be better uh, able to uh, minister to certain people groups in different places. But Paul was making the point that even though they may be different in some ways, and even though they're both doing the same mission, they're not doing it for their own good. They're doing it for the good of the Lord. That is, they're trying to promote the kingdom of the Lord. They are trying to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul was saying, look, we're not competing against each other, and we need to realize that as Christians. It's not that Enterprise Baptist Church is competing with Liberty Baptist Church or this church or that church. It's not a competition to see who can have the biggest bank account. It's not a competition to see who can have the most members that come each week. While we want as many people as we can to come, don't get me wrong, we want people to hear God's Word. But it's not a competition. That doesn't mean that one church is doing better because they have more money or have more people or another church is doing worse because they have less of those things. As Christians and as churches, as bodies of believers, we all have different groups, different people, different abilities, different ministries that we are involved in, and we all work together, but it's not to promote Enterprise Baptist Church, it's to promote Jesus Christ. And we need not to forget that. Maybe some of you today just realized that for the first time. Maybe you, you didn't realize what our goal was, but praise the Lord that you get to hear that. Our goal at Enterprise Baptist Church is to promote Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, to tell people that they are sinners in need of a Savior and praise the Lord that God sent his only Son to be that Savior. And we all work together to, to, to accomplish that one goal. And that's what uh, Paul was talking about in the verses we looked at last week to kind of give you a little context as to, as to what we're talking about today. And we kind of take a shift from that, that what Paul was talking about last week to what we're going to be talking about this week. In verse 10, he says, According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. Now, when Paul says that he has laid a foundation, what Paul is not saying is that Paul in and of himself has done anything special. He's saying, look, the foundation, the proper teachings of what God wants you to know, I have taught you those things. I've told you what really matters. And he goes on to say in the, ver the verses following exactly what that foundation is. He says in verse 11, For no one can lay any other foundation that of what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. So we see clearly, plainly, exactly what Paul is saying, who Paul is saying is that foundation. Paul is saying, I came to you and I have preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have preached to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came with a humble beginning. He, he, was, he was born with the most humblest, humblest birth that there could be. He didn't live a lavish life, but he lived to serve the people. He had compassion on the people. He loved the people. He did countless miracles, but most importantly, he gave his life on a cross. 
A week before, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, Jesus went into Jerusalem again with a, on a humble donkey, much like his beginnings. He's still living a very humble life. And Jesus goes in to, in a, in a sense, lay the foundation. He is going in to do what has to be done, what is necessary. And Paul has preached that to the people of Corinth, along with many other people. He has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect life. He gave himself on a cross for your sins and my sins so that we may be forgiven. He didn't give his life on a cross because of how good we are. He didn't give his life on the, on the cross because we deserve it, because of something we did. He gave his life on the cross because he knew that we would never find forgiveness on our own. He knew that we would never live up to what God required. He knew that we could never be perfect. He knew that we could never fulfill the law. And so he says, look, I see where you can't do what God requires, but Jesus said, I can do what God requires, and I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to give my life on your behalf. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be nailed to a cross. And I'm going to willingly suffer all of this pain and shed my blood because I love you. Because I desire to be with you. Because I desire to see you forgiven. Because I desire for you not to have to suffer for all of eternity. Jesus said, I am freely and willingly going to pay the price. I'm going to give everything that it takes. I'm going to lay down my life for you so that you can be forgiven. And that's what Paul had preached to the people that he was encountering on his missionary journeys. And when Jesus laid down his life for us, when he gave his life on the cross, what Jesus was doing is he was laying the foundation. Jesus was saying, I have, I have laid the foundation. I have done the most important part, the one thing that you couldn't do. You could not be forgiven of your sins on your own. You could not live up to God's standard. But Jesus, when he laid down his life, he laid the foundation and said, everything has been taken care of now. But we still have a job to do as Christians. We still have work to do. We still have to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still want to get people to build their lives on that foundation of Jesus Christ. We as Christians still want to get people who are, who are living in sin, ourselves included, and we want to say, hey, look, Jesus has laid the foundation, the one thing that we can build upon, the one thing that's going to keep us secure from all of life's storms. Jesus has laid that foundation, and Paul is saying, look, I'm telling you right here, Paul has laid the foundation, that is, he has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said Jesus is that foundation, and he's saying, look, we as Christians, and... and we need to lay our lives on that foundation and we need to go out and tell other people and say, hey, look, here's what your life needs to be built upon. Jesus talks about that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He uses the illustration of, of one man who built his foundation on, on sand and one man that built it on, on firm ground. And guess what? When the storms came, that foundation that was on sand could not withstand. But the foundation that's on solid ground is going to be able to withstand whatever may come our way. And that's a question that we need to think about today. And that is, what is your foundation built upon? Where is your security at today? Now, we can place our security in a lot of different things. We sometimes can place our security in our bank account, perhaps in our, in our status, perhaps our employment, uh, perhaps uh, 
on our, on our spouse, perhaps all these other things that make us feel secure. And, and those things in and of themselves aren't evil. It's, it's wise for us to put some money back in to save. It, it's wise for us to have a, have a home that's built to keep our family safe. It's wise for us to, to love our spouses and to be close to them. And, and all of those things, those are good things. But that should not be where we find our ultimate security. Why? Because those things can be gone in an instant. If we build all of our, everything that we have on those foundations of just worldly things and worldly feelings and worldly attitudes, those things can change and be gone in an instant. But what Paul is telling us here, what Paul is reminding us of here, is that Jesus is a foundation that everything should be built on. He is the foundation that everything can be built on. He is the one thing that, that, that there's nothing that's going to, to take him away, that's going to wipe him away, that's going to destroy what he did. When Jesus died on the cross, bam, it was done. He laid that foundation, and that's the foundation that Paul is talking about to the people of Corinth here. Verse 12, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. We have to be careful as Christians as to how we build on this foundation. Now, Jesus has already paid it all. Jesus is already that foundation. But we as Christians, as we go through and do the work that God calls us to do, we have to be careful how we build on that foundation. God gives each of us unique gifts and abilities and talents, as we talked about some last week, and we all work together to build onto that foundation. We want to build up the kingdom of God. And so if it, I, I think about it kind of as a house, if you're building a house. One of the first things you do when you build a house is what? You want to make sure that everything is level, the ground is level, because you've got to have a solid foundation. If you don't have a solid foundation, guess what? Your house may look good and, and, and sit good for a while, but over time, what appeared to be good you begin to see that there are a lot of problems. Maybe walls begin to get crooked or doors don't shut the way they should. And guess what happens? Then you're looking at a major problem that costs tons of money to fix. And in some cases, it can't even be fixed because the foundation is not good enough. And when I think about Jesus being a firm and a secure foundation, I know that Jesus is a foundation that is perfect. A foundation that's not going to sink, a foundation that's not going to crack, and a foundation that if everything is built upon him, it is going to be perfect. It is going to fall into place, and everything is going to be great. But we as Christians, we each have a job to do. And when I think about uh, building a house, uh, you get a contractor that hires all these different people and the foundation is laid and then somebody else may come in and, and put the walls up and another person may come on and begin to put the roof on and sheetrock. You've got people that do electrical and you've got people that do plumbing. And all of these different people, they may not know all the things, but they each know their one thing. And it doesn't take people very long. Once all those people come together in just a few months' time, guess what? You have a large, beautiful house. And if it's a house that's built on a firm foundation, it's going to last forever. 
Well, we as Christians, that's what we're doing. We're, we're building a, a spiritual house. We're working on a building for the Lord, so to speak, as the song goes that we hear uh, every so often. We're working on a spiritual building for the Lord. That is, Jesus has laid the spiritual foundation, and God has equipped you to add on to that building. To, to go out and reach other people, to go out and do God's work, to, to build a mansion that, is, that, that, that can go forever. That, that invitation for people to come and be part of that foundation of Jesus Christ is open to all who will accept it. But Paul says we've got to be careful what we build on that foundation. We've got to be careful that we're doing what God calls us to do. Because what we want when, when the world sees us doing the Lord's work is we want people to see the love of God. We don't want people to see us. We don't want people to say, oh, look at Enterprise Baptist Church. Look at him. Look at her. Look how much good they're doing. No, we want to do good works because that's what God calls us to. But we want all the glory to be for the Lord. We want everybody to see the Lord reflected in every work that we do so that people can come to him, so that people can say, look, I want to know what they've got. I want to serve the Lord that they serve. And so we want to do our works of the Lord that are good works that God calls us to, that are going to build on that foundation, that are going to help the kingdom of God, that are going to help uh, lost people to be saved. But do we as Christians ever build something on that foundation of Jesus Christ that God would not have us build? Do we ever do something as we go through our Christian walk that is not making God's kingdom look good, but that's making God's kingdom look bad. People know if you're a Christian. Even if you hadn't told them, which most of us, we, we're, we're open. We don't deny the fact that we're a Christian. We'll tell people we're a Christian. Most people probably know where you go to church at. And guess what? People are watching you. People are watching you like a hawk, especially unbelievers. And the first time that we do something that we shouldn't do, guess what? People see that. And people use that as an excuse sometimes. Well, I don't want to have anything to do with that church, or I don't want to go here, or I don't want to go there, because look at what they did. Well, ultimately, they'll have to answer for their rejection of Jesus Christ. But if Christians, if we're not living the life we should, if we're not, if we're not living a life that's, that's inviting for people to come to the Lord, then I don't think we're adding to that foundation, or we are adding to it, but we're not adding something that God wants us to add to it. We're not adding something that's going to be stable. We're adding a leaky pipe that's going to cause problems in the future. We're adding a rotten board, those things that aren't going to hold up. And there may be part of that structure, that spiritual structure that we build, that will not stand. The, the, the foundation's going to stand. The foundation's not compromised. But what we built on it may sometimes be compromised. So we need to examine our life spiritually and say, All right, God, I'm a Christian my faith is built on Jesus Christ. It's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We know what our foundation is built on, but sometimes, even as Christians, we begin to build things on that foundation that God would not desire for us to build. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. 
Now, I think what he's saying is that the, some of the materials, spiritually speaking, that we may use, I think this is symbolic language that he's probably using here, although it could be literal. We could see these materials in a, in a, in a, in a real building that's built. But, but, but from a symbolical standpoint, I think what Paul is saying is that there are some, some things that we use to build with that are good, that are valuable, that are what God desires, that are good things. Gold, silver, those are good things, but there are some things that, that, that are not really of any value, a hay and straw. But what he goes on to say is that each one's works will become obvious. That is, everything that we do, whether good or whether bad, one day we're going to have to stand before the Lord and we're going to be judged by what we do. And on that day, each one's works will become obvious. Maybe we fooled everybody else. Maybe we're doing bad works, but everybody thinks we're doing good works. Maybe we've fooled ourselves in thinking that we're doing good works, but we're really not doing the works that God would call us to. But there's coming a day when everyone works, everyone's work will become obvious. Perhaps it will be in this, in this lifetime for some of us, but no doubt it will be when we stand before the Lord. Because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. Now again, I think that this is symbolic language that Paul is using here. We see this idea of, of, of fire and, and, and judgment throughout the text. And I believe what, what Paul is referring to here when he refers to fire is he's referring to that ultimate final judgment. Uh, it says there, for the day will disclose it. I think the day that Paul is referring to is the day of judgment. Some of your Bibles may have the word day capitalized, and I think that that's, a, that's, a, that's an okay thing. I think it kind of captures the essence of what Paul is talking about. We kind of see this idea all throughout the Scripture. If you want to flute with me to 1 Peter, you can. We're going to look at a Scripture in 1 Peter. First Peter chapter five, or excuse me, chapter one, verse five, and I think we kind of see the idea of what Paul is probably talking about here. First Peter chapter one, verse five: You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we see kind of similar language there in First Peter. Second uh, Thessalonians, if you want to flip to Second Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It is a clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also are suffering. Since it is righteous for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to reward with rest you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. 
These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. In that day, when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be admired by all those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. Again, we see kind of some similar language that's pointing us toward an ultimate day of judgment, an ultimate return of Jesus Christ. And we see that idea of flames, that, that judgment by fire. And we also see the idea that those who are in the Lord will receive rest will receive a reward similar to what we see uh, that same wording in the first corinthians verse we look at but those who are apart from the lord that is those who have not put their faith and trust in jesus christ will receive judgment one more verse malachi chapter 4 malachi chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 For indeed the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of hosts, not leaving them root or branches. But you, but excuse me, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. And so we see similar wording all throughout God's Word, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, referring to this ultimate day of judgment. And I believe that that is what Paul is calling us to here. Paul is saying, look, Jesus Christ has already laid the foundation. Jesus Christ has already done everything that can be done. Therefore, we can't add anything to that foundation. We can't say that, well, you need Jesus, but you also need this. Or you need Jesus, but you have to do this. Or you need Jesus and that, and Jesus and that, because there is no Jesus and there is Jesus. And Paul is saying, look, the foundation has already been laid. There is no other foundation by which men must be saved other than the cross of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. But... Even so, we say, and as Christians, we are to build on that foundation. We are to tell others what Jesus did. We are to continue to grow in the Lord upon that very foundation. And we are to do the works of the Lord, but we must be careful what we do. We must be careful that we are building up the work of the Lord. We must be careful to make sure that we are promoting Jesus Christ, that we are promoting love, that we are doing the things that God calls us to, and that we are not tearing God's work apart, that we are not arguing and fussing and feuding as a church or as individuals, that we are not being a bad example when we go out onto the street, but that every work that we do, that we do it from the heart, we do it with love, we do it to tell people about Jesus Christ, to let them know that He loves them. We all have a job to do. We all have work to do. Just as we talked about last week, everybody's job is different. We can't, we can't add to the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. But we can build upon that foundation. And are we building stuff that's going to last? Or are we building stuff that's worthless? Are we, are we, are we doing things that God calls us to do? Are we, are we being beneficial to the kingdom of God? Or are we just kind of just barely getting by like we talked about a few weeks ago? Are we helping to build the kingdom of God or are we just kind of 
kind of warm in a pew because God wants us to do so much, so much more than just warm a pew. God wants us to be about his work. God wants us to be outside of these walls. God wants us to be a quality craftsman, so to speak, a spiritual craftsman of souls. God doesn't want us just to work on a physical building. He wants us to work on our own spiritual buildings. He wants us to work on everybody else's spiritual buildings and say, Hey, let me tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. Let me tell you where you can find that security that you're looking for. Let me tell you, you're looking for security in all these different ways and all these different things of the world, and you're trying to find uh, something that's going to, to, to make you feel good, and you've built yourself on all these foundations, and they keep getting washed away. Life storms comes, sinfulness comes, this is, this is going wrong, that's going wrong. Nothing's working out for you, and the reason why is because... Maybe you haven't built your foundation on Jesus Christ. And that's the message that we want to give to the world. Hey, Jesus paid it all. When Jesus laid down his life, he was laying down the foundation that we are to build our life upon. And that's what Easter's all about. Next week we'll begin to celebrate Easter. You know, Jesus didn't have to go into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He could have hightailed it. He could have went back to heaven. He could have said, no way, God. This is getting too deep. This is getting too serious. These people are wretched, horrible sinners. I ain't going to do it. Jesus could have just, he could have checked out. He didn't have to ride a donkey into town. He could have went back to heaven and been to a perfect place. But you know what? He didn't. He didn't do that. And praise the Lord that he didn't. Praise the Lord that he rode into town humbly on a donkey. And praise the Lord that one day he is going to come back riding on a white horse victorious because he has conquered sin, he has conquered the grave, he has conquered everything that you and I struggle with, and he wants to help you conquer it. He wants to give you victory. Jesus has laid the foundation. Have you built everything in your life on what he did? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for, for your son Jesus. We thank you for that salvation that we have the opportunity to receive, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us to examine uh, our own lives. God, if, if we're yours and, and we claim to be doing your work, dear Lord, help us to do works that, that are good works, dear Lord, that are going to build up your kingdom, that are going to to show people your love, your grace, your mercy, dear Lord, that are going to help people realize their sinfulness and their ultimate and desperate need for a Savior, dear Lord. And so help us as a church, as a body, to be about your work, to be about going out in whatever capacity it may be and working together, dear Lord, so that we're, we're building your kingdom. God, just as a, as a house is built, people have to work together and it, it gets built and turns out beautiful. God, help us to be a part of that, to, to be part of that building process, dear Lord, that you called us to be, that we as Christians all work together just to help make your kingdom a beautiful thing, dear Lord. It's not anything we can do. It's not based on, on our skills, dear Lord. You don't choose us because of how good we are or because we're great, dear Lord, because we're not. We're just sinners. But you choose us, God, because you love us. And we thank you for choosing us. And God, I pray that you would use us. And I pray that you would help us to be used in a way that's going to, to bring a lasting effect to your kingdom, that's going to bring lost souls to you, dear Lord. And God, I pray that there are any in this room that, that don't know you, that, 
if there are any that haven't accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe they've been coming to church some, and maybe they've, they've heard about Jesus, but God, maybe they're still trying to find security in their stuff, or in their job, or in their home, or in their bank account, or, or in a million other things, dear Lord, that this world has to offer. God, if there are some in here that are, that are trying to, to find security and comfort on those foundations, dear Lord, open their eyes today in their heart to know that they're never going to find the joy that they want in that. God, that, that things of the world may give us joy momentarily, but dear Lord, you want to give us joy eternally. And that only comes from Jesus Christ. So open the hearts of, of, of the one here today that maybe has not accepted Jesus Christ. That they would realize what Jesus did when he laid down his life for us. When he laid that foundation to give us the security that we need, dear Lord. That we would build our life on Jesus. That we would seek to do what you call us to do, dear Lord. If there's one that hasn't built their life on Jesus, that's never accepted what Jesus did on the cross, that they would do so today. Father God, that they would come to you and that they would repent. That is, they would turn away from their sins, that they would acknowledge they're a sinner and they would just ask for your forgiveness, dear Lord, ask you to forgive them, that they would accept Jesus Christ, that he is your son, that he died on that cross, that he suffered, dear Lord. And he did it because he loved them. God, help them to accept that today. To, to, to turn from sinfulness and to accept love and to accept grace. God, I pray that you just would help us to reflect in our own lives. Each one of us here, dear Lord. Whether we're yours, whether we're a Christian, or whether there are some who haven't accepted you today. God, we all need to reflect on our life to see if there are areas maybe where we need to grow in you. And I pray that as we sing today, God, that you would help us to respond if, if you've spoken to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.